This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Social media management in general is a marketing avenue, a marketing tactic, a marketing method, whatever you want to call it. It is not the marketing plan. And even broader than that, marketing cannot alone sell your product. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. Today, I've got a good one for you that I've gotten many questions about in the Facebook group. If you haven't joined yet, make sure to go ahead and head over to the Freelance Friday podcast community over on Facebook. I get a ton of episode ideas just from the things that people ask in there. So it's really helpful for me to create good episodes and hopefully it's helpful for you guys to be able to chat with each other and get some, you know, one-on-one advice in between each episode as well. So this question came, like I said, from the Facebook group. Somebody was asking how to prove ROI. And I think they were speaking, you know, specifically about social media campaigns for clients. But like all episodes, this is going to have some good insight really for any type of field, any type of freelance creative that's listening. Welcome to the Freelance Friday podcast. My name is Latasha James, and I'm your host. I'm a freelance digital marketer, video creator, and business coach. And this show is an inside look at the world of freelancing, featuring tips, tricks, and interviews with people who are doing it right. I'm so excited you're tuning into it. Let's get started. So how to prove ROI. So let me let me give you an example of how the question was posed before I dive into this episode. What the person was asking was, they actually were asked by a client if they would be willing to guarantee a certain amount. I don't remember exactly what it was about, but whether it was a certain number of sales, a certain number of ticket sales, of um, something like that, you know, were they able to guarantee that? And we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth, but that was really the question that was posed. So the, the Facebook group member was asking me, you know, is that something that you do? How do you let people know what they're going to get in exchange for the value of your services? So that's what I'm going to be diving into today. So first thing, when we talk about ROI and how to actually prove that return on investment or win clients over, I guess you could say, and help them understand what their ROI is going to be really starts before you get hired. And it starts on your website. It starts on your social channels. It starts wherever it is in the world that you are and that you talk about your services. And for me, it's in the form of case studies, of testimonials, of recommendations on LinkedIn, things like that. So I don't have public facing case studies, mostly because a lot of my clients are somewhat confidential. um, And, you know, I don't want to just put their numbers out there into the world. But I do have case studies that are available upon request, or I'll have them anonymized. So the client's names are not showing, but it'll just say, uh, you know, a skincare client, for example, in just kind of have everything anonymized. So I do have a pretty simple template that I just create in Canva where I show 
a little bit about my role within that project or within that organization, uh, some examples of content that I've created or managed or campaigns that I've run, and some of the results that I've seen. So I like to send these out to new clients because I like them to know what they're going to get, you know, or get an understanding of what they're going to get. And they will see that I haven't grown an account by 10 million before. I haven't done that. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, and I think that helps set expectations. It's not to say that I'm not talented. I've seen some wonderful results and they're shown in the case studies and in my testimonials. You know, my clients have been very happy with me, but yeah, they're not going to see a 10 million follower increase overnight. And so I think that's important to set the bar kind of realistically because I because I think some people don't know again I, I say this all the time in this podcast but I never want it to seem like the client is the enemy or like you guys are on two opposing sides it shouldn't be that way you guys should be on the same side really both trying to see results for the same company but I think it is a case of sometimes clients don't know what they don't know and sometimes clients might think that like you know a million followers isn't that much or isn't that hard to achieve or, you know, whatever it is. So a lot of it's about education too. Like, Hey, here's a case study of a similar business to yours. These are the types of results that I've seen. So likely we can assume if, you know, given the same budget, given the same resources, I'll be able to achieve similar results for you. Testimonials are really big too, because, so I think case studies are more about what you did. And I think testimonials are more about kind of how you made the client feel and how the relationship was and how easy or good you were to work with. I mean, sometimes obviously they will overlap. Sometimes a testimonial will really speak heavily into data and numbers, but usually I find that my testimonials are more like Latasha's really nice and she's really great to work with. And I learn a lot from her. They're kind of more general and both are important because as you know, if you've ever hired somebody and they've just been a pain to work with, even if they get you great results, you know, that's still not fun and you might not decide to to stay with them and vice versa. So I do display testimonials on my website and I like those to be kind of loud and proud, if you will. I've been trying to do a much better job of actually getting testimonials from all aspects of my business. So from people who take my courses, take my coaching program to my actual service-based social media management, video marketing, social media advertising, that kind of thing, those clients. Many of the clients that I get, I, I always like to make a point to ask one, how did you find me? And, you know, I don't straight up ask like, what made you decide to go with me? But I'll, I'll usually like allude to that. Like, oh, like, was there something on my website that you know, encouraged you to reach out or, or how did you find me? That kind of thing usually leads down to that type of conversation. And overwhelmingly, a large percentage of them, obviously they almost always say from YouTube, but a lot of them will say, oh yeah, like I liked the testimonials that I saw. So, and I liked the examples of the work that you had, that kind of thing. So don't underestimate these things. And again, when it comes into the ROI conversation, it, it you're going to be showcasing about what they can expect from your work from a more personnel type perspective. I'd also be remiss to not talk about LinkedIn because LinkedIn is also extremely important. I would say LinkedIn is quickly becoming my number two referral engine. So it used to always be that people say they've said that they found me on YouTube, but now I'm getting a couple sprinkled in here and there saying that they found me on LinkedIn. So it's important to have an active LinkedIn profile for a number of reasons, but this is definitely one of them. 
I need recommendations. I My recommendations on my LinkedIn profile are really old. So I would definitely love for some of my clients and not a lot of my clients listen to the podcast, but I should probably ask some of them or some of my former uh, you know, colleagues and things like that at my old jobs to write me some recommendations because those serve in the same way as testimonials on a website do. But even if you don't have recommendations, like I don't have a lot of them and I don't have very recent ones, I'm still active on LinkedIn all the time. I'm still getting in conversations. People are tagging me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to those of you who like share my videos on LinkedIn and tag me in them and things like that. Because again, it just sort of serves as some type of social proof. If a client sees that I'm entrenched in the social media space and that people are uh, finding my insights valuable and helpful, that's just another kind of, you know, piece of social proof and just shares with them, hey, she's getting these types of results on her own videos. Maybe we'll see similar results on ours, of course, depending on the content and budget and all that stuff. So those are kind of before you secure a client, things that you can do to help them sort of benchmark what their ROI is going to be. But when it comes to actually working with a client, this can be where it gets a little bit tricky. (laughs) So number one, number one, number one, this is like the answer to many (laughs) problems. And it's one that we often forget to do. And by the time we remember, it's too late. It's too set objectives, get aligned on goals. You don't need to have a day long goal setting meeting. You know, you don't need to go crazy with it. It can be a quick phone call saying, what are the top three goals? It can be a part of your intake process. This is something that is a part of my intake process. I have my new clients fill out a little uh, a survey online. It's just a Google form, nothing too crazy. And they rank their social goals in order, you know, which, which is most important to you. This is so important. I can't stress that enough because you might be trying to prove ROI for total number of sales that you got last month. That might not even be their biggest concern. They might really be more focused on branding and establishing themselves as the most eco-friendly brand out there or something like that, for example, or it could be vice versa. You could really be stressing a certain benefit or feature and trying to really nail, uh, nail down a spot in that community for your client, whereas they're really only focused on numbers and sales right now. And you're not, you're, you're doing brand building and they're looking for conversions. Of course, as we all probably know, they kind of work together and, you know, there's this whole thing, but it's important to be on the same page. It's important to understand also not just what the goals are, but, you know, what exactly they are or how much exactly they're looking to improve or increase some of those numbers. So if a client tells me they want to sell 500 units of a $100 or $200 product, I'm going to give them a certain ad budget. If they tell me they only need to sell five of those, they can spend a lot less in ads. I mean, it's going to help you make those decisions. It's going to help you understand how much to post, you know, how often to post, which strategies you're leaning on, which types of communities you're getting involved in. I mean, it, 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 affects everything. So knowing those concrete numbers, and it also helps you stay accountable and stay on top of your job. Because yes, if somebody tells me, oh yeah, we just want more sales. Well, like how many more? And like, how many are getting right now? Like (laughs) what, you know, you got, you really do have to be aligned with sales and other departments that you're touching. So set objectives, 
I talk about SMART goals in my course. And and, I mean, you can just Google what a SMART goal is. S-M-A-R-T, it's an acronym. Make sure to set those goals that are really attainable and relevant and timely and all of that good stuff. So that's number one. Now, going back to that question in the Facebook group, you know, do I ever guarantee X amount of results? And my answer is no, because I'm not a commission-based service. You know, I'm not necessarily saying that that's a bad thing. I mean, there are some industries and some types of freelancers that do do that. I know some lead gen type of freelancers will 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 take a cut of of a sale if they generate the lead. To me that kind of makes sense. At least more so than a social media manager because the thing is a social media manager, social media management in general is a marketing avenue, a marketing tactic, a marketing method, whatever you want to call it. It is not the marketing plan. And even broader than that, marketing cannot alone sell your product. I can try my very best to market a bag of dirt and I probably won't sell any. I'm just going to be honest. I like to think that I'm a pretty good marketer. I'm not going to be able to sell a dirty you know, bag of dirt or old stinky shoes, no matter how much I try to dress it up and make it look cute on the internet or via traditional marketing or whatever it is. So there's a lot of things that can impact your success or your failure. And it's kind of opening a can of worms here, but it is important to be upfront about those things as well. I always tell my clients This is what I can do from a social perspective. And if I see things that jump out as red flags for me that are not specifically social, I will give them a warning or let them know as the campaign's running. So an example of this, um, a terrible website. This is probably the most common, you know, hey, I have this amazing product and, and you know, the product's good. Can you market it on social? Okay. The website experience is terrible. People can't purchase through the website without going through 50 million pages. The images are bad. The copy's bad. The, you know, the whole user experience is bad. They don't have an SSL certificate, whatever it's called, all that stuff, you know, whatever, all these problems with the website. I'm going to let them know. And I will give them a couple of options. Hey, you can either get a new website. I can even help you with that. Or we can go you know, we can connect a Facebook catalog and try to sell, focus more on selling through Instagram or through Facebook directly so that they can just kind of do that tap to purchase or whatever it is. Or we can run ads leading directly to the checkout page so they're not fumbling through your your clunky website. You know, I'll give them as many options as are in my control and within the, their budget, of course, that they've paid me. But I will be honest with them. I'm not just going to tell them, okay, cool. Like I'll do my best and I'm going to get you 50 million sales with this bad website. I'm not going to do that. And if we don't see return, you know, if we don't see product moving, uh, I will let them know, Hey, uh, you know, a great thing about social is that it's trackable. And I guess this is kind of going into number two. The next thing that I would recommend doing after setting those objectives is tracking everything because, you know, most everything on social is track trackable. Number one, install the Facebook pixel, install the LinkedIn insight tag onto your website, which really allows you to track very um, deeply and get some pretty robust analytics and retargeting options. But if you can't do that, or even, even if you want to kind of 
if you want to just do something a little bit more simple, if you don't have access to the website to install the pixel and things like that, use Bitly. Bitly is a free website you can use. Sign up for an account there and you'll be able to see how many people click on a link at the very the very least. You can also use Facebook Insights, Twitter Insights, Instagram Insights. All, you know, all of the native tools will give you the amount of clicks that you've received at the very least. So for the landing page example, if I'm running, especially with ads, you know, ads manager makes it really easy to see number of clicks and unique click, clicks and all that good stuff. So if I'm running an ad to a product page on a bad website and I'm seeing we're, we're getting thousands of clicks or hundreds of clicks, but zero sales, that is a very good indication that my social efforts are working. It's just the user experience is broken and bad and they need to fix their website or we need to figure something else out or the product isn't great. And that's another thing that I you know, will be honest about. Obviously, I'm not a product designer or product manager or whatever. So I I can, and I'm not a genius either. I don't know everything about every market, but if I see something that's really a red flag about the product or the service that they're trying to market on social that I feel like doesn't belong on social or maybe needs to be messaged differently, I'll be honest with them because uh, again, it's going to look bad on you in the long run. If you're marketing a bad product and it's not selling, they're going to come back to social if they don't have a good understanding of how all these things work together. So track everything. Um, UTM codes and Facebook pixel and all that even lets you track down to dollar amounts uh, when you're running Facebook ads and things like that. So that's really nice. Okay, I get this question at least a few times a week. Latasha, which social media scheduling tool is your fave? And for a long time, I really didn't have one that I loved until I found Loomly. Loomly has a brilliant content calendar view, affordable pricing, and supports every major social media platform that I use for my clients. They also offer a free 15-day trial, which you can activate by clicking the affiliate link in the show notes. So if you try it out, be sure to let me know what you think of it, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Now, the next thing that I want you to do is be in communication about progress towards those goals. So a lot of times I'll find this with my clients. They kind of like get in this weird, like out of sight, out of mind type (laughs) mentality with their clients. And if things aren't going amazing, they're kind of just like hoping and praying every single month that the contract is going to get renewed. And they almost want to hide from their clients. Like they feel like the more that they take a step back, maybe their client will just forget that that, you know, invoice is coming because it's on auto renew and they'll just kind of forget about them and they won't be pressuring them too much. And, and I mean, I've been guilty of this, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this as a, like I'm talking down to anyone, but it's really not the right way to do it. Being upfront and honest about things, having good communication is going to prevent you from having problems with each other. So get on a regular schedule. And again, this should be talked about at the outset of the campaign, of the contract, of the relationship. How often do they want to see reporting? I know I've talked about this before on the podcast too, but 
Do they want to have monthly reports? Do they want just campaign reports? Do they want, do they like really not care? Even if they don't care, I still recommend pulling some reports for them every once in a while. Maybe it's just once a quarter or after every big campaign or something like that. Cause it is really important. Like that's what really sells your value. If you can say, hey, when I first started working for you, you had zero followers, you were getting zero engagement. And now after just a month, you know, we have 200 followers and we're getting an average of three engagements per post or, you know, whatever it is. That looks really good. If you just hide away and hope that they forget about you, uh, I guarantee you that they're not checking those things. I mean, some clients do, of course, some clients are more involved, but usually if they hire someone to handle this stuff for them, they're just, they're not going to be involved in it. So make sure to let them know how things are going. And of course, like I said, to, to bring up if anything isn't going so well either, so that you guys are on the same page about any potential issues. And this will prevent you a lot of times from getting surprise, hey, we're not going to renew our contracts because they're going to be comfortable talking about their issues and their concerns with you. They're going to come to you first before firing you and just say, hey, I'm not really happy with how these this campaign is going. What can we do to turn it around? Should we stop it? Should we try something new? And you'll be able to be in front of it instead of being taken by surprise and just be like, hey, we're going to go with somebody else or we're going to stop social investing in social. Going along with that, know when to pivot or try something new is also kind of my last tip when it comes to proving ROI because listen, some things just aren't going to work. So you can do everything right, <laughs> everything by the book. The product can be great. The landing page can be great. The social budget can be on par. The creative can be great. And sometimes for some reason, things just don't work as you expected it happens. Like we're not, you know, this is a science to an extent, but you, you can't always predict everything. Sometimes certain things are just going to resonate with people differently than you thought. Sometimes algorithms will change and affect things poorly. There's a million reasons why your campaigns might just not work, but at what point do you let it run its course? And at what point do you say, you know what, this isn't working. Let's turn it off before we spend too much money and don't see a return on it. So number one, I think you got to test things. So starting with small tests before going into a million dollar ad campaign, or I mean, I know that's drastic, but even, uh, you know, a few thousand dollar ad campaign, test a small budget of 50 or a hundred dollars for a campaign like that to see if it's performing before committing to doing a whole big thing. So testing is big. I'm always testing different ad formats, different post formats, different you know, types of, of tone and voice and things like that, just to make sure that we're doing the things that are really working the best, different times of day to post, all that good stuff. And just, you know, when, if you've spent more than it's coming in, this is again, why it's important to have marketing be very closely aligned with sales. If you spent $500 in ads and there hasn't been a single sale and it's been going on for a couple weeks now, you might want to turn that off before you spend $1,000 in ads and get zero sales. So you kind of have to use your best judgment. And again, this goes back to communication. This, I mean, this all is intertwined with each other, right? You got to be able to let them know, hey, I don't think this is the right route. And look objectively at why this isn't working. Is it your tone of voice? Is it the colors? Is it the creative? Is it, you know, what is it? And then try something new for next time. And I also want to say that I have cut clients loose when I don't feel like I'm providing return. You know, when I don't feel like I'm providing the ROI that I want to. It's obviously 
it's not just their fault. So I don't want it to come across that way. Um, there are, you know, when things like that have happened, of course there were things that I could do better, but generally speaking, it's usually because they have issues that they really need to fix first before hiring a social media manager. And I'm going to be totally transparent with my clients about that. Sometimes I might sign them thinking that they're further along kind of in their general business plan or their overall marketing strategy. And I get into the weeds of things and I'm like, oh, wow, like you're not ready to be investing a thousand dollars a month, even in social. If you're having a hard time, you know, if you don't even have a proper website, I would take that $1,000 that you're paying me and put that into a website, hire a designer, sign up for Squarespace, (laughs) whatever, pay me to do your, you know, spend that money elsewhere. Or um, if you have really bad packaging, I'm going to recommend maybe you need to hire a packaging designer, get that right. Because in today's day and age, if you have a product and it is the demographic that you're aiming at towards is anywhere under 30 or 40, really, it needs to be Instagrammable. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just true. If you have a product that you're selling and it doesn't look good on camera, you need to change the packaging um, because that's the way that things sell nowadays. So anyway, sometimes I will sign a client and and be like, oh, they're ready to go for social and, and realize that they're not. And I will let, I will cut them loose. You know, I will let them know, here's my recommendations that I want you to work on first. And then I want you to come back to me because after you get this packaging design, then we can do a whole influencer campaign. We can do a great little Instagram feed and Instagram campaign and we'll get you going. But without the great packaging, it's really hard to market on Instagram, you know, for a, a beauty product, let's say with bad packaging. It just is. So um, that's how I prove ROI. I, I, I think it's really those things. I think it's about proving it beforehand or giving them a good idea of what they can expect beforehand, setting objectives together that we're both aligned on that seem attainable, realistic, but also seem like good goals, getting specific about those goals, tracking everything, communicating with your clients frequently and letting them know your progress And being able to pivot to either try something new or make an additional recommendation or even if you really, really have to, pausing your services to help them kind of pivot and focus on something else that's a little bit more crucial right now than what it is you're doing. So I hope that this episode was helpful. And like I said, as always, you can join the Facebook group, the Freelance Friday podcast community. If you want to suggest a future episode or if you ever have questions about stuff like this, I'm always happy to help. And yeah, thanks for listening. I will talk to you in the next episode. I'm Latasha James, and that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to review it on iTunes or share it with a friend. This podcast is all about community, so you can also go ahead and head over to the Facebook group. It's called the Freelance Friday podcast community, or follow me on social. My handle is the Latasha James across all platforms. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. And like I said, feel free to share it with a friend, tag a friend, screenshot the episode and tag a friend. It really helps us grow this community. And my goal is to help as many people through this collective community become better freelancers and more empowered freelancers. So that's it for the episode. I'll talk to you in the next one. It airs every single Friday. I'll talk to you again then.